across all of our engagements, um, we have uh, made clear the clear preference for finding um, a diplomatic resolution to uh, the uh, conflict and to de-escalate uh, the, uh, the situation. There are some 100,000 Russian soldiers near Ukraine's borders, uh, and in that sense, the threat to Ukraine is unprecedented. So the president asked me to underscore once again uh, our commitment uh, to Ukraine's territorial integrity, to its sovereignty, uh, to its independence. That is U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken um, in Ukraine, Kiev, in a meeting with the president of Ukraine, talking about the situation there as it continues to be incredibly, incredibly tense. Um, lots of different people saying we could be headed to war at any time now. We know that Canadian Special Forces soldiers from Canada are operating in Ukraine. Uh, they have a few different uh, jobs at hand, um, but uh, it's an extremely tense situation. So to talk a bit about it, we're going to bring in Andrew Rasoulis now, who is a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. We've had him on the show before. Andrew, uh, thank you for joining us again today. I appreciate it. Very much. Uh, thank you, Shay, for having me on your show again. Great to talk to you. Interesting times, as you say. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a while ago, and sort of there was indications that things could be heading in this direction. But um, just, I mean, when I hear all this talk, Andrew, and I, I guess maybe I'm just incredibly naive, but all of these different politicians and heads of state saying, you know what, we're on the brink of war, and this could happen at any moment. I mean, is that, how realistic is it that we could have an armed conflict in Europe, um, you know, at any moment? I think both options are very realistic, both the uh, the war option and the diplomatic solution option. Um, both are real. And right now, the emphasis is being put on diplomacy. Uh, Blinken, as you mentioned, uh, is in Kiev today, and then he's meeting with uh, Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, in Geneva on Friday. Uh, so these are uh, the very highest levels other than, you know, uh, Putin and, and Biden meeting. Uh, so this is the next level down. Uh, the emphasis clearly is to avoid a war uh, for both sides, and both sides have very strong principled positions, uh, which are not the same. Uh, the United States is uh, very much for a rules-based world order, the right uh, for uh, those nations who wish to join the alliance to join the alliance, but provided there's consensus, and we can talk about that one. Uh, from the Russian point of view, they are looking at a, at a sphere of influence situation, they have never recovered from the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991, and they have been trying to reestablish some measure of a sphere of influence based on realpolitik, power politics, in the what's known as the former Soviet space or the former Soviet Union or even Imperial Russian space. That's what's at stake now. And the, there's diplomatic options, and we'll see where we go. I can discuss that if you wish. Yeah, are there diplomatic options? That's what I'm wondering, because I think Russia, we know the hand that they've played to this point is it's a classic case of brinkmanship and, and hoping that eventually it wouldn't get to this point. At some point... Um, if it doesn't, do they not have to follow up this rhetoric and this saber-rattling and this threatening with actual action um, in order to almost save face? But, I mean, you can't. You, if, if it's the West essentially calling their bluff, it's disastrous for them, is it not? Yeah, well, they, exactly. And the Russians are not going to just surrender or walk right. home and say, well, we tried, we lost. So the diplomatic solution has to work on the principle of uh, is Ukraine going to go into NATO? We all know that, practically speaking, it's not going in anytime soon. 
there is no consensus within the NATO alliance to accept Ukraine. So Ukraine has the right to apply, but the alliance must have consensus to accept. That is not the case. So we know that in a real-world situation, Ukraine is not joining NATO anytime soon. So that's a given. So we need a diplomatic wording for this situation to be agreed on. And things like a pause on enlargement, a moratorium on enlargement, something that's sort of in the middle that gives the West, they don't walk away from their principles of rules-based system, and the Russians can say, the NATO is not moving further into Ukraine and not, therefore, threatening their sphere of influence and their space. So, and the uh, venue of Vienna, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, is actually uh, a natural place to park this uh, diplomatic uh, solution because the OSCE's mandate is actually security architecture of Europe, including the North Atlantic, with Canada and the United States. And the Russians, since 1991, have actually been pushing for the OSCE to establish a more comprehensive security framework. This is where potentially we may have an embedded diplomatic solution if everyone keeps working at it. Okay. Uh, and I think, you know, while, the, while Russia has been obviously taking actions that would threaten war, it seems to me the West has been extremely careful in sticking to we're going to um, pursue diplomatic solutions here. They've talked a lot about economic pain that Russia would experience, but it seems to me that everybody in the West is dead set against going to war uh, and want to try and do everything like you say. They want to stick to that diplomatic path. Correct. And I think right now that's where the emphasis is. Okay, so where do we go from here? As you say, we've got these high-level meetings right now. Um is there, is there room to sort of have everybody step back and, and, and take a breath and, and find the solution? Is that road to a diplomatic solution still there? Well, I think a lot, yeah, so the, the road is there. And I think um, uh, the meeting Friday uh, between Blinken and Lavrov uh, is, is kind of the next pivotal step in this road. And, of course, these are, these are confidential discussions that will take place. So they'll have to find the diplomatic language that I was, yeah. I'll just tell you my opinion in terms of, you know, pause, a moratorium, on enlargement, that kind of language. But a security architecture is what they're looking for. The Americans and the Russians have already agreed to move forward on things like potentially arms control, confidence-building measures. That was already agreed uh, a few weeks ago as a basic principle of further discussion. And the NATO alliance has also agreed with the Russia on that basis in terms of the NATO-Russia Council. So there is that, but that's not sufficient enough. And they've got to move to this larger, larger framework of security. And that's where, where the game goes. And I might just want to add for you and your listeners that it just was announced today, a uh, Turkish spokesperson for the, the president of, Ukraine, of Turkey uh, said that the Turks are, have made an offer to host a meeting between okay. uh, Putin and Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, to try and broker some measure of understanding between those two. So there's another diplomatic angle in there. The Turkish role has been muted, muted before, and it hasn't really been picked up on. But the Turks have raised it again at a time when diplomacy is, is, uh, is key, key in everyone's attention span. So we'll see. I mean, there's a, there are potential options here. And again, I keep emphasizing 
uh, the diplomatic side because there's a lot of activity going on. And uh, there's a lot at stake, and everyone's interest is actually a peaceful solution. Yeah, a, a ton at stake. Um, I just got some audio from our Prime Minister. He was talking about this situation this morning. Let's give that a quick listen, and then we can talk about what Canada's role in all of this is. And we're working with our international partners and colleagues to make it very, very clear that Russian aggression and further incursion into Ukraine is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, we are standing there with diplomatic responses, uh, with sanctions, uh, with uh, a full press uh, on the international stage. Okay, so there's Trudeau, Andrew, saying what he's been saying all along. Diplomatic pressure and economic yeah. pressure. He hasn't changed. No, exactly. And that is the cor- I mean, from my point of view, that is the correct path. Um, I mean, Canada is up there playing the diplomatic game right now, and I think that's that's actually where we should be. That's why we haven't actually announced a decision on the Ukrainian request for arms, because that's not sort of that. That's, we've done a lot in terms of our military capacity with Ukraine, in terms of uh, training and assistance. But right now, the emphasis is, as the prime minister has said, on diplomacy. And uh, you know, Foreign Minister Jali has been has been talking about that as well. And she's doing a lot of uh, shuttle diplomacy. So she's just uh, been to Kiev, or I think she's still there, but she's going off to Paris. Uh, and Brussels. So she's she's representing Canada in the diplomatic game right now, which is first and foremost. So I think the Canadian government has stepped up to the plate on this one. Okay, so um, watch and wait and see what happens on Friday. Hey, that's the next sort of signpost that's for you? That's the next key day. Yep. Okay. We'll see what happens. Excellent. Andrew, thank you so much for your insight. It's extremely valuable. I appreciate it very much. You're uh, you're very welcome, and anytime, Shane. Yeah, we'll Cheers. check in again. Yeah, we'll, we'll chat okay. soon. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. That is Andrew Rasoulis, who is a fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and uh, our go-to guy on everything in this region. Uh, he, he knows what's what.